0: Welcome to the Brand Design Masters Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Hi, everyone. I want to do a little introduction in this episode because it's kind of special. My close colleague and sometimes agency partner, Kathy Oneto, and I have been talking a lot recently about the topic of leaving corporate This is an important topic these days because of the pandemic, and it brought on a huge outflux of people from full-time jobs, whether that was by choice or as a result of factors outside of their control. I'm sure you've heard about it. The media is calling it the Great Resignation. Well, I'm talking about when you leave a full-time job, whether it's at a company for most people when they call themselves an employee of some sort working in a particular area of expertise, or as a creative professional at an in-house internal marketing or design department or at an agency of some kind. Well, Kathy and I have had requests from our listeners as well as our private coaching clients to address this topic on our podcasts in depth. So we decided to do a series of podcast episodes together and each of us post them on our respective podcasts. Kathy's podcast is called Sustainable Ambition and you can find a link to it in the show notes. And as we started planning the episode series, we realized it's a really big topic and we could probably write a book on it. So the idea quickly grew into a five-episode series. So the topics of the five-episode series will break down like this. In the first episode, we'll talk about how to start building your brand while you're still employed. And then in the second episode, we'll talk about recognizing when it's time to go. And in the third, what to do before you pull the plug, Number four is going to be all about getting resourced and how you start building. And then number five is getting your brand and your new business going, the setup and beyond. Now, we've never attempted something like this kind of joint podcast idea before, so we knew there would be a lot of learnings that came up while we were doing it. And we both kind of like being crash test dummies in that regard. Let's just do it and see what happens. So one thing we noticed after the first episode was that when you get two podcasters together, one of you inevitably ends up leading the conversation kind of in the interviewer way. And when you listen back, it kind of sounds like their show. So what I'm trying to say is in these five episodes leaving corporate series, sometimes Kathy is leading the conversation and sometimes I take the lead for the episode. And when she leads, it feels like her show. And sometimes when I'm leading, it feels like my show. It's a little weird. Like I said, so we ended up just kind of splitting it up. Who would lead the conversation? So try not to be confused about that part of it. Now, in this first episode, Kathy ended up playing the interviewer. So let me tell you a little bit about Kathy. Kathy Oneto was on the Brand Design Masters podcast before in episode 33, and you could listen to that episode if you want to learn a lot more about her but she's a strategy executive and a work and life executive coach who bridges her two worlds by bringing together strategic thinking and brings that thinking into life and work planning and management. She's the founder of Sustainable Ambition and the host, as I said, of the Sustainable Ambition podcast. Her mission is to help people attain more joy, satisfaction, and fulfillment in their careers from decade to decade, helping them be ambitious with more ease and without burnout. Kathy spent 20 years in the corporate world, having served as a VP of strategy, brand and marketing with CPG and retail companies and also working on the agency side of the equation. In fact, Kathy and I were co-workers at an agency in San Francisco a number of years back, which is where we met. She was the head of strategy and I was the head of design. She's worked in both large companies and small with entrepreneurial companies, both as a co-founder of startups, as well as the chief of staff to founders. So let's jump right into the conversation, which begins as we're starting to discuss the origin of the series idea, and then we jump right into the first topic, how to start building your brand while you're still employed. So enjoy the series. So, hey, everybody, I'm Philip Van Dusen.
1: And I am Kathy Onetto,
0: And we're doing a five-part series on leaving corporate. And this is the first episode, and we're going to be talking about how to start building your brand while you're still employed. How do you want to kick this off, Kathy? What should we talk about first?
1: Let's talk about why we even think this is an important topic for us. Like, why do we think that, you know, leaving corporate is an interesting topic for our listeners and for ourselves?
0: For one thing, over the last five to 10 years, there's been a huge explosion of kind of the consultant class, right? So a lot of people have been becoming an independent consultant or not working in an agency or corporation has become more prevalent and more acceptable. So, I mean, I think that's one aspect of it. What else?
1: For me, even just my listeners, I I talk with a lot of people who are thinking about this and are starting to actually plan for it. They might be already starting to think about that next horizon of their career and they are actually thinking about, like, I think I'm going to want to go out on my own. And so, you know, this was a listener request even for me to cover this topic. So that's another reason why I think it's important. I think people are seeing, as you're saying, these marketplace changes or they're entering a different stage of life and just starting to recognize that they want to craft their work differently. And this was even pre-pandemic, you know, but it's certainly because of the pandemic. I think even though companies are allowing for more flexibility, I still think given the impact of the pandemic, people are wanting to have a little bit more agency over the how they work. And I think are figuring out that they can find that agency can control how they're going to work a little bit more than if they're in this kind of rigid corporate structure.
0: Yeah. And I also think, you know, while the pandemic came on that first year, there were a lot of people who found themselves sunsetted out of their careers. They'd been in them for a long time, five or six years before they thought they were going to be corporations, you know, I hate to sound like a cranky pants, but I mean corporations do take advantage of economic changes like that in order to trim the ranks and I think that that did happen. You know, you do consulting with personal brands and people who are executives I do the same and I saw an explosion of business I mean covid didn't hurt me because I saw an explosion of business in coaching because a lot of people were finding themselves you know surprised that they were kind of out on the street or looking at some having to develop some sort of self employment and you know needed to find their feet in that kind of a situation so I think covid has really kind of exploded it
1: Yeah, I think that's true. And I think we're going to continue to see this. As you said, like, I think that this was already moving in this direction. And I think there's a trend, frankly, both for individuals and for companies to recognize that for them to both meet their own growth objectives, both for companies and for individuals, that they might be in a better situation if they are managing things on their own. But again, there's a lot of different reasons that people can get pulled outside of corporate and wanting to be doing something on their own. So these are just a couple of the things that we are finding kind of interesting right now, I think.
0: Yeah. So we're both out of corporate now. So why don't we share a little bit about our own personal experiences in leaving corporate just so people can get the context and from our own points of view?
1: Yeah, that sounds great. You want me to go first, Philip?
0: Yeah, you go first.
1: So what pulled me out of corporate, my experience was that it was a slow transition, actually. So I started to want more flexibility. And I actually had an opportunity where I was asked to start consulting while I also was in a full time job. And I was able to start to actually flex between the two and do some independent consulting while also kind of staying within an organization. And then when I decided to make the full leap out, you know, I took a test and learn approach to it. I kind of said, let me go and test this consulting thing. Let me see what I can craft and make happen. I, again, as I said, I was longing a little bit for more flexibility. Like a lot of people were longing, have longed for flexibility. My life stage was kind of dictating that I needed a little bit more flexibility. And so, as I said, I jumped out into the consulting realm, but I'll admit I was a little on the fence. I wasn't sure, is this going to work? Is this what I want to do? Let me continue to kind of think about if I want to go back and have a full-time job. And so I actually did step back into that full-time realm for a little bit and then ultimately realized this isn't really what I want. I really did want to stay working out on my own. And so mine has been a journey and I've, you know, we'll probably get into it in another episode where, you know, my journey of like kind of what I set up, how I set it up and how I continue to evolve what my business is really. And I think you'll learn that that's an ever going topic of this series that, you know, it's a kind of prototype and learn and continue to evolve. And frankly, if one steps back and kind of thinks about business, that's the reality of business, right? You're kind of constantly evolving really what you're doing. But my journey of leaving corporate, like I said, it's been a learning journey and a test and learn journey, but I'm kind of like in a full solopreneurship kind of model right now. How about for you, Philip?
0: Mine was the opposite, really. And I think that that's one of the valuable aspects of our conversation is because our experiences and our approach, really, to a certain extent to this, was different. You know, I spent, I have to do the math, but I mean, I probably spent 18 years in corporate, so a good 11 years at a Fortune 500 apparel company. And then I went over to the agency side as a senior creative, and then I came back to a large global CPG as a creative executive And then after about you know 15 20 years of doing that there were some things going on my family my father was passing away i was kind of burning out i was in a global role that was extremely demanding and had undergone a few geographic moves in a period of just a couple of years and i just really burned out i burned out seriously emotionally burned out physically burned out and i just walked away i walked away from the biggest job of my career because i was struggling it was a flame out, really. So mine was not planned. Mine, I I did not have a parachute. The only thing that I had was 20 years of a decent executive salary kind of banked. So I had some financial cushion, which made it a lot less stressful than I'm sure that it could have been. But I was not planful about it. I did not test the waters. And so when I got out there, it was a real shocker to me. And so I think that that's one of the interesting things that are kind of different between your mind experiences. You had thought about it, you played with it, you even went back to corporate for a while. You came back out with a better idea of what you actually really did want. I had never envisioned myself as an independent. I always thought I was going to be a company guy, right? Or an agency guy. I thought I would be employed until, you know, I could get the, you know, the gold watch. But I hit burnout in my late 50s, far beyond my gold watch time. I also faced the shocking realization, something that I had not given a lot of thought to some, not a lot, was that as a senior executive in a creative role, you age out, you age out of creative roles. In fact, the entire design industry and creative industry is rife with ageism. I also knew that I probably wasn't going to be able to get another role at my age, at my level and so i was faced with the reality of you've just jumped out of your safety zone with a you know an executive role and you got to figure it out that was my experience
1: yeah one thing i just want to touch on briefly philip as i'm listening to you because some people as they might listen to this conversation, and I think it's something that I'm a little hyper aware of right now, given the media narrative and talking about the future of work and work roles and what have you, is they often go to extremes. And one of the things that I kind of feel is happening is there's And it's not like this isn't warranted, but like, for example, corporate bashing, if you will, or even work bashing as if like work is evil. Well, you know, work actually (laughs) contributes to our happiness. There's a lot of research around this, you know, people want to feel productive. And so what I do get, hesitate a little bit about when we both are talking about leaving corporate is like, it's not to say that corporate's a bad place to be. It's actually in some ways an easier place to be absolutely. <laughs> and so and the other piece of this is to say, my gosh, I would not you know, trade my fifteen to twenty years of corporate experience at all because you know, that is foundational. I learned a ton. and by the way, I work still with a lot of corporations <laughs> and alongside corporations so, it's, it's not a bad thing to be in corporate. And so I just want to acknowledge that. And yet, you know, I think there's a benefit also to being outside of corporate or if that is your calling. And I think even what we're going to talk about today is a little bit of like, well, what's important to do when you're still inside? You know, what should you also be thinking about if you end up choosing to go outside?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't want that come off that way if it did, because I had a fantastic career in corporate and big agency global corporations. I was challenged. I was promoted. I managed large groups of people. I was very well compensated. I traveled around the world. I learned tons and tons. I worked on big brands, global projects. I mean, it was great. You know, I totally loved it. Learned a lot. And then I hit a wall and then I bailed. But i wasn't prepared for the other side of the fence it's funny i remember when i was in art school there were like 500 students it was on a beautiful kind of green campus in philadelphia and there was a stone wall around the entire art school and on the sign that faced the street that had i'll name the school tyler school of art on it on the inside the side that faced the inside of the campus someone had spray painted the real world so inside of the campus you were like protected and you're in this kind of cloistered environment but outside was the real world and i see living in corporate kind of the same way you're somewhat protected it's you're cared for you do your job you get your paycheck you get your benefits benefits financially benefits to your you know your knowledge base and your network and all that sort of stuff i also want to talk to the listeners and say This is not about like the YouTube videos that say, F corporate, you know, I'm out of here, you know, corporate sucks. That's not what this is about. This is about when you are either forced to leave corporate or when you choose to leave corporate, that there is some sort of transition that you will make at some point in your career where you have to make this leap, this transition. And so that's what we're kind of talking about are those variables and ways of approaching it.
1: Exactly, Philip. And I think you, you, in your original story, you didn't come across as negative. It was just something that came up in my mind, even as I was reflecting and knowing how I think about a sustainable career and also just the narrative that's out there these days out in the media where we go to these extremes. And even like, because of how people talk about the great resignation and it's almost like those types of videos that get mentioned where it's like, of course, People need to be treated better in the workplace for sure. Worker power for sure. But just to say, you know, this isn't that narrative as you you just articulated. So because the other thing that's going to pull us in this direction, just to tie a bow on this, is what you started with, which is these are the norms. This is where things have been moving. There has been a contractor class actually for a long time and corporations have been moving in that direction for a long time. And it's just Again, the pandemic and everything else has just kind of continued to accelerate that.
0: I think that's probably one of the only things that helped me visualize what after could be was because of that very thing. What you just said about how corporations have started to utilize the consultant class much more than they have in the past. When I was in my last role, a global CPG company, I was increasingly using small agencies, individual consultants for fairly sizable projects. And I had never done that before in previous roles. And large corporations would have never considered that in previous years. And so in doing that, I suddenly saw a shift in the creative agency world anyway in a different way of working and an embracing of the flexibility of that sort of dynamic between a company and an individual or a personal brand. And having seen that from the inside, when I was still safe in my corporate easy chair, it was certainly not an easy chair, but when I was there <laughs> and I was using and utilizing people like that, I got a picture of like, oh, there are people who are at my level who are operating independently and still, you know, kind of working with these large corporations successfully and working on the same sort of project. So, wow, that's possible. And that really helped me visualize what my next step could be once I did end up out on the street. I looked back on that and said, hey, I could build something like the people that I was working with. I think that one of the things that I really like to talk about today, anyway, in this episode, in terms of how to start building your brand while you're still employed, is the employee mindset. One of the things that I think hit me between the eyes when I made that jump out, that was the biggest brick wall, I think, was having to leave the employee mindset behind, having to leave the corporate employee kind of buffer behind. When you work for a corporation, you begin to personally identify with your title, especially if you've been in corporate for a while, you've moved up, you've been promoted, you've moved from company to company, your personal identity, your LinkedIn profile, how you introduce yourself at a cocktail party, you know, is based on your title, the company you work for, the sort of work that you do. It informs your personal identity much more, it informed my personal identity much more than I ever really thought until... Suddenly, one day, I wasn't able to do that anymore. And I suddenly had to re characterize myself, redefine myself. And so, in your more easier, more kind of jump in, jump out sort of <laughs> flow transition, did you have that sort of a, a mindset shift that had to take place?
1: I would say, you know, prior to me jumping out on my own, too, I had done a sabbatical. So, I think that. It was during that sabbatical that I think I had this realization of, I need to think about what my identity is. And I wonder if, because I hadn't thought about this really, Philip, that I think because I had gone from an agency environment where I was essentially a consultant to clients, and then I kind of gradually stepped into a consultant role, it wasn't so foreign for me to kind of think about myself in that context. But I do think that this notion of truly how I think about like personal brand today and is something that I wish I had thought about more in my career. Both you and I realize that this may have been a miss for both of us. And it's why we think it's such an important topic to be talking about.
0: And we are both branding people. That is something that's really important to acknowledge is that my whole career has been building brands for companies and products and and individuals. And so is Kathy's and we are branding people and we hadn't given this much thought. And so for the people who are not branding people, that is I think an even more important point is that we were geared for this, we were built for this and still we had an evolution of thought and process that we had to go through in order to work our way through it. So I think that's also why we think it's really important to address because not everyone has that.
1: Oh, for sure, Philip. The other thing, it goes back to what you started with in terms of identity, which is I don't think many of us think about our identity as much. Maybe when you and I were starting our careers today, because you have influencers, because you have social media, I think people are way more aware of crafting, for better or worse, this narrative of of self. Um, But I don't know that we always think about it when we're internal or around our professional brand that's the thing. I think people probably think about it even more on their personal brand. I don't know that they're thinking about it around their professional brand. And I think what's also important here, I spoke to this idea of like, well, why are some people stepping out on their own? And it's because they want some personal agency and they want to be able to call their own shots. And I think one thing that people miss internally when they're internal is that you have to take way more ownership of your own career development, personal branding, shaping of who you are with professional. Professional context, you need to take way more responsibility for that today more than ever, I think, because you don't just get on this conveyor belt and kind of go through this kind of standard career trajectory. You're going to have to shape who you are in the work world a lot more going forward. I think it's already been that case, but I think it's almost like people want agency and they don't realize they have agency even when they're on the inside.
0: I completely agree. And I think that when you're on the inside... It's almost like that art school campus analogy. You don't see beyond the sign that says the real world. When you're inside the company, you're focused on like the promotion, your boss, the next project. You're not looking at unless you're actively searching for a different role or talking to headhunters and you know, you've know you lifted your eyes above the stone wall of your corporation and you're looking out into the world people don't do that very often when they are you know, employed. They're concentrating on bringing home the paycheck and having a life and getting promoted and doing a good job. And they don't think about this larger context. And so that's the one thing in terms of this part of the conversation that I just want to highlight is that when you are still employed, there is a basic psychological mindset shift or lifting of the eyes above your cubicle wall and looking out into the world That is an important exercise to start doing because it is the most foundational exercise of reacquainting yourself with the working world outside of a corporate structure because it's very, very different. And if you haven't looked out there recently, you will be amazed at how things are working. Things don't work the way they did 10 years ago. And to have that sort of, as you said, agency around your future or your destiny being more aware of what is possible and happening is advantageous to you if you're still inside, if you still have the business card in your pocket.
1: Yeah. And just to build on that, I think that What's important about starting to build your personal brand in this way and as you start to look up is that you start to build up, you know, create your own optionality. If you start to be known for something, you start to be known for your expertise. I mean, you can start to create pull from within your company, from other companies, or again, if you're ready to go out on your own. So there's a lot of power in starting to craft that for one'self. I did want to just get this point in too that I interviewed Tim Galpin on my podcast in episode 3 and one of the things he brings up is how there's this acronym PI which is stands for performance, image and exposure and he shares how research shows that really performance is usually only about 10% of what drives work success. It's really your image And then how much exposure you get is a lot of what can drive that. So to succeed, you actually, even inside corporate, you really do need to think about what is the image that I'm projecting? And then make sure you're getting in front of the right people who can really champion you. But again, it's just one of these things that many people can tend to miss both internally and then, as you're saying, Philip, looking outside and pulling your head up right outside of the cubicle. I know cubicles don't exist anymore. So in these open environments, are-
0: they're putting the walls back up because everyone hates open environments. Too loud. Yes. You can't. Yeah, you have to put headphones on. Hey everybody, I wanted to take a break and tell you that my signature course, Brand Strategy 101, is now open for enrollment inside the Brand Design Masters Academy. This is a foundational course for creative professionals and entrepreneurs who want to get started with brand strategy so you can sell bigger projects, increase your fees for the creative work you already do, and get paid for the thinking and advice you've probably been given away for free. The moment you enroll, you get immediate lifetime access to seven modules of training with over eight hours of instructional videos, 25 lessons in all, plus 24 downloadable strategy tools and conversation guides. In Brand Strategy 101, I've taken complex strategic methodologies used by the world's most respected global branding agencies and crafted them into a deceptively simple turnkey process and toolkit that you can use with your clients, even if you've never done brand strategy before or don't know where to start. Brand Strategy 101 draws from my 25 years of experience working with clients ranging from entrepreneurs to small to medium-sized businesses all the way up to the Fortune 100. So if you're ready to up your game and bulletproof your career and protect your business from the downward pricing pressure of sites like Fiverr and Upwork, then Brand Strategy 101 is the place to start. Just go to philipvandusen.com BS101 and enroll in Brand Strategy 101 today. Again, just go to philipvandusen.com BS101 and enroll now. You used two terms and that I think are really helpful to kind of aid this conversation. And one is that you said, working on your professional brand or your personal brand. And to a certain extent, the pie analogy or the acronym you just talked about is how do you operate or build a presence, a brand, what you're known for, what people say when you walk into the conference room or when you leave the conference room, how do you build that in your place of employment, your professional brand as an employee? And then when we talk about personal brand, what of that is transportable? And that can come from your skill set. It can come from your network. It can come from your you know, your credibility or your renown in your professional category. And that is what I think that as we talk about building your brand while still employed with the idea of that you will at some point not be employed by another entity, what of that That you're building on the inside number one concentrate on building it on the inside and number two simultaneously think about how that will transport or how you can start doing things that will make that adjustment or that transition easier we should probably talk about like what we felt like we did well and not so well in that context in terms of developing our own professional brand and then our personal brands i'll go first if it comes to developing your professional brand i was concentrated 90 percent on the p on performance i didn't really care that much about my image i didn't care that much about my exposure i'm a virgo i'm very task oriented i like checking boxes i like organizing projects i like inspiring people i like creativity but when it came to like developing the persona or the brand of Philip Van Dusen, while I was a senior executive of creative in a big company, I didn't put a lot of effort into that. And maybe I should have, because it might have made that transition a lot easier. And there are senior creative people in agencies and companies who do put a lot of effort into that, and they are known for being showboats. That wasn't my MO. And so I think that one of those things that... I mean. I probably have a lot of old designers who work for me out there who would probably disagree with me. <laughs> but this is my show. So, no, we're Kathy's show. So, I mean, I think that that's also one of those things that in making that transition from professional brand into personal brand was also a big leap. So did you feel like you had to started to develop a professional brand and did it make that personal brand development easier or did the bouncing back and forth help that?
1: It's interesting to reflect back on this, Philip, because I think when I was early in my career, like you... I'm not a Virgo, but I I I'm in performance oriented, right? I'm a task oriented. I like excelling. I like getting things done.
0: Kathy is a border collie. If we're <laughs> if we're dogifying each other, she is like penultimate border collie. I've worked with her, I right know. Oh
1: gosh. I don't even know what that means. So I'm gonna have to get a translation she later. <laughs> can take
0: our herd of like a thousand sheep and like herd them through a door that takes two sheep. You know, she can do that.
1: All right. I like that. Okay. So yes, so I can do that. And um, so when I was early in my career, that's what I was focused on performance. And I think I knew exposure was important, right? I don't know if I was as focused on image as I should have been, But here's what happened. I think moving from a client side role into an agency consulting role shifted that mindset. And I think this is something that because people might not recognize if you've never worked in a service role. When I stepped into that service role, I was way more conscientious about what my image was. How was I presenting myself as a consultant? did I look professional? Was I dressing well? Did I look sharp and smart? How was I carrying myself in a, in a presentation? You have to go and earn that credibility with clients in a business development pitch and in every day when you're working with your clients, right? So I think when I was in that type of a role, it shifted my mindset in terms of, thinking about image as well as exposure, because then in terms of exposure, well, if I'm going to go do business development, who am I getting in front of? Am I connecting and building relationships with the senior level people at these clients? How am I moving that forward? So I have to say, reflecting back now, I think that having that orientation shift for me helped me then as I went to step out on the outside.
0: And so in terms of starting to build Going from that professional brand to that personal brand while you are still employed, because that's what we're talking about today. How can someone who's listening start to do that? One of the things that's interesting and has been happening in the last 10 or so years is that corporations are actually valuing people who have personal brands higher than they used to. Corporations used to like just have their people talk about them, not have personal opinions, no professional Twitter profiles. And now headhunters, corporations are actively courting personal brand entities to work for them or associate themselves with the company. And so instead of poo-pooing it or discouraging it, which they actively used to do, having anyone have some sort of a presence that wasn't an association or a representation of the company they were working for, that was really frowned upon, and now it's not. And that's a big shift, I think, that's happened. And it also, for the, you know, our discussion today, is that it actually opens a door. It opens a door for people to start to express themselves in a more independent way, with more agency, in a visible way that is not as linked, handcuffed to the company that they're working for. And I would suggest that people who are currently employed, who are starting to try to build that brand on their own. That they start to think about it in that way. How are they going to start showing up in the larger world with an opinion, a point of view, speaking, publishing, going to conferences where they are more establishing that influence and that exposure not so tightly held to the breast of the company that they work for?
1: Yeah. And then just to build on that, Philip, I'll tell you a few things that I, in ways that I think about this and advise some of my clients about it too. I do want to just come back to the term too, because sometimes personal brand, professional brand, just brand, so not everybody loves that term. They're like, I don't want to be a brand. Okay. Well, we're branding people. So that's why we're using it. And oftentimes, get over it. <laughs> yeah. And oftentimes, it's just, Easy. People kind of understand what that means. But really what we're talking about here is just, it's building your reputation. You know, what do you want to be known for? And what should people be expecting, essentially? You know, we talk about brands as being a promise, right? So like, what are you promising, essentially, if people interact with you? What should they expect? And so... I think about this a little bit on, you know, with brands, Philip, we talk about functional benefits and emotional benefits. People might not realize this, but like I'm just to speak about this, because I also work with people on developing their leadership brand. And these are a few of the things that we talk about. But if you think about like that functional skill set that you might have, it again gets back to like. What do you want to be known for and how do you want to build expertise over time? And it almost makes you referable, right? And it's helpful internally, or if you're looking to just stay in corporate and move from one company to another, or it's helpful when you get on the outside, because a lot of business, when you go out on your own is referred, people go out and they're like, Hey, who do you know? Who does this? Who's great at this? You essentially want people to be able to know that your name comes after that, right? So you know who you should talk to about that? This person does that. This person is really great at that. This person created this kind of value for me. That's something you want to think about. And then beyond that, you also want to think about how do you show up? You know, One of my recent guests talked about this idea of almost like this context of you can always have a job if you're really great at what you do and you're great to work with. If you are going to be great to work with, like, what do you want people to know about you in terms of your own personal character, if you will? I love, and you started to allude to this, Philip, this quote from Jeff Bezos, which I always say, I hate quoting Jeff Bezos, but it's a good quote where he says, your brand is what other people say about you when you're not in the room. So think about what would you want people saying about you after having a meeting with you? What are those three adjectives? And then how do you need to consistently show up? when you're in meetings or experience with you, that you start to elicit that. Another quote I love is from Maya Angelou, which I'm sure people have heard, which is, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. What kind of feeling do you want to be known for? Ooh, when I get with this person, they always leave me feeling great. Like I'm inspired. I feel smarter, I feel cared for, whatever it might be. I think those are some of the aspects that people can start to think about to start to shape that narrative, if you will, or that reputation of themselves.
0: Yeah. And I think that to a certain extent, it's kind of starting to think about your own brand strategy, meaning being able to be referable. Also, as you were saying, you have to boil down how you help and who you help and what problem it solves. And your elevator pitch, your mission statement has to be on the lips of anybody who's going to be referring you and make it easy for them to refer you. So they have to be able to boil down what it is that you do, the value you add in a very simple way. So number one, they can remember it. And number two, so they can use it to refer you. When we do brand strategy, and Kathy and I have done brand strategy together, one of the key kind of tools that you do and develop is called a brand positioning statement, where you talk about who you are as a brand, what you offer, who you're offering it to, why you're better, why you're different. And if you think about it in terms of that and try to start to think about yourself in that context, who am I, what is the functional benefit I offer, who can I offer that to, why am I better at it, and how, if possible, am I different at it? And to start to think about yourself in that sort of a boiled down essence, because that is really what you're going to have to start repeating in the marketplace, every person you meet, every action you take, every network connection that you have, because you want that transportable elevator pitch to be able to be understood and repeated.
1: Well, I was just going to say really quickly, Philip, like even as you were articulating that, it's just to say, if you're going for that next job, that narrative is super helpful. Or if you are looking to pitch yourself for work as an independent, that narrative is super helpful. I just appreciated you sharing that in that context, because I think it comes through very clearly. It's your value proposition, essentially. Yeah. That's our technical term, but it is. It's your value proposition. Like what value do you bring to the table, essentially?
0: So we're probably coming up on time, Kathy. So we should probably wrap it up. Do you have anything else that you want to kind of tack in and add on building your brand while you're still employed?
1: I think my final takeaway here is just an encouragement to set an intention around this and to raise this topic as an awareness for yourself. That's really what we've been talking about today. And I think if you can set an intention around how you want to show up and who you want to be and maybe turn it into a little bit of fun. And so this sounds a little weighty and kind of feel a little uncomfortable perhaps, Another way of thinking about it is how do I want to show up as my best self every day in interactions with people? And isn't that a beautiful way to want to show up? And that's really what your brand is, is who is being your best self. How about for you, Philip?
0: In terms of, you know, from my perspective, it really comes down to like getting your head above that old cubicle wall to understand that there is an outside. If you are currently employed, there is an outside. There is another way of doing things. And to just take a moment and start to look at people who are operating independently out there to see what is possible, even maybe people in your space who do the kind of categorical work that you do and see how people are operating out there as independents, just to start giving yourself some perspective about what's possible or what sort of functional skills, what sort of value is transportable from the job that you currently have and what that could conceivably look like because it's so easy to just have the corporate blinders on and then have the rude awakening or have to do an incredible amount of learning very quickly at the very beginning of your being out there in the new world. And if you've done a little bit of that work in preparation, it's going to make that transition a lot easier. So next time we're going to be talking about recognizing when it's time to go.
1: Yes. We're looking for those signals and starting to pay attention to when you might be getting an inkling. And we'll talk about a couple of different types of signals that might be coming from you, but might be coming external from you. So more to come on that.
0: It's a five-episode series. And so the episodes we just talked about, building your brand while you're still employed. Next time in episode two, it's going to be recognizing when it's time to go. Three is going to be about what to do before you pull the plug. That's when it's kind of getting real. And then number four is about resourcing what you're building. And then five is getting that new business going, the setup and beyond. So make sure that you hit next and pick up the next episode because it's going to be a really, really cool and exciting journey in this conversation with Kathy O'Netto. That's me. And Philip Bendusen. Thanks, Philip. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.